I am so excited about this series. I've taught on the authority of the believer, but I've never taught anything like what I'm going to teach. We're going to really go deep in this. I believe this is really a message for today. The enemy's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And, he, and we've got to rise up. We've got to rise up in our communities. We've got to rise up in our churches, in our nation. And we have to be the church. And we have to say no more. Because righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a city. When the righteous are in control, the people are glad and happy. So we've got to realize the enemy is defeated. So Genesis chapter 1, the Bible talks about that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh day. Now if you study this out, it fits with about the 15,750,000,000 year creation because God was telling this story from his perspective. And it's amazing how if you put scientific uh, law to work, creation works. It's amazing. There are two accounts described or there are two witnesses given when you're reading the Genesis creation account. Both witnesses are God himself. God himself in first person gave, gave all of this to Moses. He literally laid it all out to him letter by letter on how he did it, how he did creation. Why two witnesses? The end of the verse of Deuteronomy, you've heard this written, but you might want to write this down. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? That's why God did this with two witnesses. So that's Deuteronomy 19.15. It says at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. That is a big law in the art and science of biblical interpretation, which is hermeneutics. Don't worry about, don't write that down. That's it's, that'll put you to sleep, right? But God starts off the creation account with two witnesses. The Genesis account of creation is God dictating again, To Moses, first person, how it was when God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you were to go into a courtroom, you would have to accept in any courtroom of law in this country, the highest form of witness is witness in the first person or testimony, first person testimony. And that's what the book of Genesis, the creation account, gives. The highest form. Now, you might say, yeah, but pastor, you know, I just don't believe that. That's okay. In a court of law, the highest form of testimony is first-person testimony. But still, that jury has to decide whether or not they believe it. God's word is truth, and he lays it all out. But then he says, you, I encourage you to believe it, but you choose, right? So this is a big thing. This is always the case. In every day of your life, today, the word of God will test you. 
Somebody cuts you off on Dodge, you're going to be tested. The word says love those, right? And we don't want to show of hands who failed that test before, right? I can tell you this. Today, I didn't fail the test, right? I, was, I did good today. Now, my wife and I are driving to St. Louis, so I'm going to be driving for six hours after the second service. And I'm declaring today, in Jesus' name, by the help of God, I will, I will be there. But we have to, we're always tried. When somebody stings you, are you going to walk in love? Because, see, the word of God is black and white. I mean, it's, it's literally, or I should say this, the word of God is light. There's no darkness in it at all. But we must choose. God tells you the truth. And then you must decide whether or not you believe it, right? There has been a lot of controversy in the world regarding evolution, regarding creationism. Evolution is starting to look more and more stupid, but now they call it intelligent design. They still don't want to say God, right? But there's a lot of controversy. But if you look at, I looked up... The Science Council defines science as this. Science is the pursuit and application of knowledge and understanding of the natural natural and social world following a systematic methodology based on evidence. Okay? Scientific methodology. So how we gain knowledge and understanding of the natural and social world, what method, what methods do we use? Well, one of them is objective observation. We observe things. Measurement and data, right? Pastor Edwin, you probably know a little bit about that, right? Evidence is another thing. We look for evidence. And there's, there's many more, but I want to focus on this one because this is all you really need. Here's a big one. Repetition. Can it be duplicated? The laws of science demand that it has to be able to be duplicated. The basic foundational definitions of science is that something can be repeated. Now, I am stepping on an area that I am not the foremost authority in. I just, I wanted to bring this to you today because... And, and Pastor Edwin, Ph.D. in biochemistry, is, did I tell the truth a little bit? Yes. Is that pretty right on? Okay, awesome. But can it be repeated? Here's one thing we know about evolution. I learned this as a young man. There was a guy from Oxford University. He was a foremost uh, evolutionist. Two PhDs taught at Oxford. I can't remember the guy's name. I was very young. He was part of a panel in a church, and I went to this stuff. And he literally, he said, he, he, he said one day he just had a thought, and he put scientific law to evolution, and, and it wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work. It couldn't be repeated. And so he just had a thought. You know, I wonder if creation, let, let's put scientific law to creation. And this guy stood up there and told us exactly how God could make man out of dirt. You know, and and how that all of creation, I mean, he said this was back in the early 80s, like 1980, 81. 
you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. I mean, I mean, it was amazing what this guy said, but this is the thing. You cannot repeat evolution. Therefore, it is not valid science, right? Moses penned the first five books of the Bible as God dictated them to him, Hebrew letter by Hebrew letter. Pastor, how many times are you going to say that? I have no idea yet. A lot, right? Einstein recognized, you know, Einstein in his mind, he recognized that the first five books of the Bible were a cipher. What's a cipher? It's a secret or disguised way of writing. It's a code. It's a mathematical equation. I sat at dinner with Charles Capps, and he had, dis- he had discovered a mathematical code in, in, one, in these five books that were, he was telling me about it. It was like, wow. You know, this little country preacher that's rocked the world, right? Uh, he's went home to be with the Lord now, but him and Peggy, man, you think I talk, that guy can talk, right? It was awesome. I wish I, I was sitting there thinking, I wish I could have had a notepad with me, you know? He recognized this, so I'm saying all this to say that God, in his attempt to establish a perfect society, he creates everything, and then he he discloses what his purpose is. In other words, God made the world for man. It was made for man, okay? Okay? We talked about this a little bit last week. I just want to I want to go a little deeper in this. So, here's an example. The Genesis account completely destroys the environmentalist completely destroys their agenda. Why? See, the environmentalist they're trying to put the world or nature above man. What do I mean by that? We will save a tree, but we will kill an unborn child. Now, in order for the environmentalist agenda to really go forth, they have to take God out of the equation. And that's why we have what we have today. So this is why. Are trees important? Absolutely. Are we afraid that we're going to run out of stuff? There's absolutely no way. God doesn't make anything that runs out. He makes everything to increase. So this is very important. In order to put the world first, you have to do away with God or you have to do away with the idea of God. But that's just never going to happen. Right? So in other words, why am I saying this? Because God clearly gives his purpose in this creation account. That this world was made for man. Right? Man was not made for this world. So now Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. You know, it's real interesting. Do you know that the gorilla was already created before man? So like when I was in a cultural anthropology class, you know, when they stood up and said, hey, 
you know, our physical body looks, there's a lot of similarities and all this because of the evolution process and, and all this stuff. I'm like, well, time out. I'm not a body. I'm a spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And look at this. The first thing that God does, God's first thought for man is for man to be in authority. He says, let them have dominion. This is an interesting word. It's the right and the power to rule, govern, and control. This word literally means to have sovereign authority. Isn't it amazing, this sovereignty doctrine that is not biblical? Part of it is, but is God sovereign? Yes, and this is the way he set it up. God is the God of everything. Big G. Adam and Eve were to be the God, small g, of this world. Right? That's the way God set it up. Have dominion. That was his first thought. You have to know this because you have to know everything that Jesus did. He brought all the authority back that Adam has lost. And so right now, as you're sitting in that chair, if you are a believer, if you are a child of God, if you've been born again, you have been given all the authority in the name of Jesus. And nothing that can steal, kill, and destroy has any place in your life. You have to know that. Otherwise, you can give up that authority and be fooled into thinking that what you're seeing is real. Right? Yeah, oh, it's real, but it's real defeated. And it really has to leave if you'll make it leave. And it says here, have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. And then he said, and subdue it. That means go and conquer it. Why? Satan was here. He was cast down who knows when. He was here. You conquer it. You bring the earth under permanent subjection. In other words, you don't let Satan operate. You shut him down. Right? Subdue it. And then also strip him so that he could never rise up again. And that's what we are to do. If you'll notice, and I hope we can get there today, in Ephesians 6 it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It doesn't say we battle not. The reason why it's, there's no battle anymore. The battle's been won. We are an occupying church. Like if you study World War II, you know, after, after it ended officially, we still had troops in areas that would occupy territories, Right? Why? Because some of the enemies that we had were still fighting. Some of them hadn't heard it was over. Other ones, out of pride for their nation and everything, were still fighting. We're still going to do this. So what would, what would they do? Listen, the battle's already been won. The war's already been won. Now you go and you fortify here and you don't let anything uprise again. I'm telling you, the greatest person you're going to have to use your authority against is your flesh. The battle's over. 
Sin has been defeated in your life. But why do we have so much sin in the church to the point to where if you even talk about it, it makes people mad? Why? Because we don't know anything about who we are in Christ and we don't understand authority, so we don't understand how to use our authority over our flesh to keep that under control and so that we can live like Jesus in this world. So literally, God told man to subdue the earth. It's interesting. Man could not have done that if Satan was the God of this world system when, the, when he told him that. But he wasn't. God gave Adam and Eve sovereign authority in the earth. And then something happened afterwards where they gave that up. And then he says again, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over everything that moves upon the earth. Turn over to Psalm 115. This is a great scripture. Psalm 115 in verse 16. Is this okay? You know, you come here long enough, you are going to understand who you are. Because we are going to overturn everything. And we're going to give you truth about the authority of the believer. And this is, this is I'm telling you, this is protein-packed, nutrition-packed stuff. This has all of it in there, right? Psalm 115, verse 16. It says this, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. It's real interesting, this Hebrew word given, it means delivered. But the earth has he delivered to the children of man, of men. In other words, God's original intent was to give man authority on the earth. I know you're like, yeah, pastor, we got that last week. Can we just go into some of the deeper things? No, no, no. No, this, if Satan is messing with you in any area right now, just keep pressing in because there's more revelation for you. Because God wants him completely out of your life. Completely. Completely out of your body. Completely out of your finances. Out of your ministry. He wants all of that removed so you can walk in the wisdom of God and know how to do what God's called you to do. So in other words, this is an equipping series. Very, very important. God, what I love about this scripture is God does not change. It says that over and over and over. If that was God's original intent, that intent never changed. Satan had to create religion to try to slow that down. Why do we have the problem we have? Well, for about 300 years we've been hearing nonsense. It's really kind of amazing. But no more. Now we're going to preach the truth. So this is where, we went over this last week, I just want to read these scriptures. This is where that the authority in the earth that God gave Adam and Eve, this is where it was transferred to Satan. And this is why in 2 Corinthians 4.4, Jesus, well, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, called Satan the God, small g, of this world. Why? Because Adam and Eve had turned that over to him. 
So in Luke chapter 4, verse 5, it says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Well, we know from the Greek language, he didn't actually, he doesn't have enough power to grab Jesus and take, if, if he could have done that, he could have just grabbed him, took him up and dropped him, right? Do away with the guy. No, no, he, where did he do this? In his mind, in the same way he comes against you. Jesus was tempted in all points like you. Was it a real temptation? It absolutely was. That's what the Bible says. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then the devil said to him, all this power, it's the Greek word excusia. If you break this Greek word down, it literally means delegated authority. All this delegated authority will I give you and the glory of all these nations. That's all the money. Why? For that is delivered or transferred unto me. When was it transferred? In the Garden of Eden. This is very clear. You've got to understand this. And to whomsoever I will give it. I wonder if Satan's still doing that today. I wonder if he's going to people today saying, you serve me and man, I'll bless you. I remember one guy, if I said his name, all of you would know, some singer from the 60s, very well known, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, still travels in concert doing concerts. And they asked him, they said, why do you still travel? You know, and, and do all this. He goes, he looked at him without hesitation, said, I'm just keeping up my end of the bargain. And they're like, what do you mean? Well, with the man. I'm keeping up my end of the bargain with the man. We know what man he was talking about. I wonder if that's going on in the world today. Yeah. But can Satan win? No. Don't let him win in your life. He's not going to win in the body of Christ. He's not going to win in this earth. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Righteousness will reign. But where we are right now, let's get righteousness reigning in our schools. Actually, Let's get righteousness. First of all, it's going to have to start reigning in our churches. And then in our schools, in our, in our governmental agencies, in our police, right? What about in our state and local? All, all the way up. Why not? Did, did God say the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he delivered to the children of men? See, guys, we have authority in the earth. So this is what you do. Get the junk out of your life. Now remember, you don't have to do it. You have to believe it and speak it. God will do it. Right? So, so very important. It says here, For they are delivered unto me, and to whomsoever will I, I will, I give it. If you therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So Jesus answered his question about identity. Jesus said, I am the Lord your God. I'm God, you're not. And I'm sure Satan probably went, Oh, yeah. I remember that lump on my head when, when, when the Father, or maybe it was Jesus. Well, actually, it was Jesus. Could you imagine? 
the father's sitting on the throne and he hears this guy. I'm going to be like God. I'm going to send. And so God comes up with a plan. Man, I'm just going to just nail this guy to the earth. He looks at Jesus. He's like, no problem, dad. I'm out of here. And he takes him and nails him to the earth, right? And now what's so funny is all these years later, Satan thinks nobody's going to know. And here's some preacher guy standing up going, hey, let's remember. He was cast out of heaven like lightning. (laughs) God's fastball is really awesome, right? It's really awesome. So then Jesus says when he comes out of the grave, we said this last week towards the end of the service, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, now this is after he came out of the grave. Matthew 28, 18, all power. In other words, it's the Greek word excusia. So if Jesus said all power, all delegated authority has been given unto me, In heaven and in earth. So does Satan, is it possible for him to have any delegated authority? If all of it's been given to Jesus. None. So take comfort. If you have sickness in your body, do you realize it has no legal right in your body? Poverty and lack has no legal right in your life. Right? Anxiety, fear has no legal right in your life. Not some, it has none. None. All authority in heaven. See, can you, people are seeing something here. We're going a little deeper in this. It's given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, what does he say? Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm so excited in the second service. We're baptizing 16 people. 11 kids, 3 youth, and 2 adults. I love that. Man, we're going to have water flying all over the place here. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) But get ready. This is going to be happening a lot. It's going to be happening a lot. People getting saved, people getting healed, people getting delivered, signs, wonders, and miracles happening. You know, and a lot of them will happen here, but I think the majority of all of it's going to happen outside the walls of the church as we just go and be light. This is why we've got to go to the highways and byways. Teaching, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Hmm. You know that the word of God commands you to have dominion. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So now Jesus got all the authority back and then some, and then he gave it to his church. See, if you look at Jesus, he is the head. You're going to see scriptures about this. We are his body, and Satan is under our feet. Do you know if you see if, if, if some of you guys are driving and you see me driving down the street and you're talking to somebody in the church and you're like, oh, you don't say, oh, I saw, I, you know, I saw Pastor Tony's head today. <laughs> no, you don't say that, do you? Or I saw Pastor Tony's body today. No, you say you saw, I saw Pastor today, right? Well, Jesus is the head, but we are his body. So if the head has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, 
then guess what the body has? All authority. This is why I, I believe God called me to preach. That's just, I could understand that. That's just simple. I like simple. Hallelujah. And as we said last week, we've been given authority in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why, I mean, what's, it's kind of amazing what's happening with our youth now, with our kids. But, you know, we're having, we're having youth that are really excited about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're going to see a huge resurgence of this in the church because we have to have that power, right? So in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, talking about what happened, it says, who hath, talking about Jesus, what he did for us, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Wow. So when you got born again, this is what happens. You were taken out of the delegated influence of darkness and you were transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. This word delivered is in the Greek aorist tense. It, it means that it is something that was done. It's a complete work that was done. It was viewed as complete and whole. It was a one-time action. When Jesus came out of that grave, he transferred literally everybody out of the delegated influence of darkness. And also this Greek word, it's ruome, I think I'm saying that right, ruome, it literally means he once and for all rescued us. It says from, but literally in the Greek it would be, it's the word ek, it means out from the power of darkness. That's the Greek word excusia. Out of the authority, the delegated authority of darkness, he took us out of that and transferred us. He removed us one from one place to another. Wow. Into the kingdom of his dear son. So we have been, so as you're sitting here today, you have been totally removed. You might not feel that, but you've been totally removed out of the delegated influence of darkness. So now the kingdom of God, what is this? This is where God is exercising authority and where his presence and his will are being done and manifested. So now jump over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. This is a prayer of supplication that Paul would pray without ceasing. He prayed this continually for certain believers that were walking by the faith of God and walking in the love of God. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What did he pray? That the God... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Wow. This little mouthful right here 
is the most important thing that we need to have as a child of God. What is it? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We know that eternal life is knowing God. But even as a believer, we go to the Lord. And see, this is what you do as a believer. You go to the Lord. Father, I pray that you would grant and give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Right? You pray that way one time. Why? Because if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if you know he hears you, you know you have what you've asked him. So what do you do after that? Brother Hagen would do this. He said revelation started really flowing. He would leave his Bible open to Ephesians chapter 1 in the church. And every time he would walk into the church, he would pray that. And, and, but he didn't keep asking God for it. See, he already asked him once. So then you start walking around. Father, I thank you. I thank you that I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I'm telling you, if a Christian would do that consistently, they would probably see that some of these things that they think God's telling them to do, he's not, right? They would see that there's some things that God's wanting them to do that they're not doing, and it would help us make adjustments. Can't tell you as a pastor how many people, you know, a charismatic church over 14 years, you know how many people have come up to me and said, God told me to do this. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, I could think of three or four scriptures right now that, that that is just not in line with the word. You know, but there's no room to tell people if that, because if, if you come up and say, hey, pastor, you know, God told me that I'm to go do this. What do you think? Well, that's a very simple answer. I don't, I mean, if, it, if it's something crazy, all I could say is, you know, you got I think you should follow the leading of God. Now, what I'm not saying there is I think you should go do that ridiculous thing that you want to go do in your flesh. I'm saying I think you should be led by the Spirit of God, right? Well, pastor, why don't you tell people what to do? It's not my job. I'm up to here with me. I can't tell you how to live. I can teach you the word and feed you the word, which will dictate how you live in every arena of your life. And it'll equip you, right? So this is huge. Without this, what happens to the believer that does not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Number one, that believer will be very distracted. A lot of baby believers are like this. They're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Without having the spirit of wisdom, now remember, you love your pastor, without having the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, you will start to pick and choose what part of the word of God you want to live by. And that's prevalent it's massively prevalent. Well, I, you know, I'm totally in here. I love that part about God blessing me. But now this part about me honoring him and my finances, eh, no, 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 I need a fishing boat. I, I, I you know, I got I to gotta send my kids to private school because public schools are going down the drain so I can't honor God in my finances. 
Okay. Pastor, I, you know, I do embrace forgiveness and walking in love, but you have no idea what this person did to me. Right? See, what, where does that all come from? Because people are bad Christians? No. They don't have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And guess what? You can go to seminary. You could study eight hours a day for your whole life. My Bible says God has to give that to you. So in other words, you can't, you just don't automatically get it. Interesting. Saying no to God. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about authority. Saying no to God causes a child of God to walk in darkness. Jesus said when he was telling a parable, he said, take heed. This is Luke eleven thirty five. 35. You see this, it's a, it's a principle given in this story. It says, take, he said, take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If you don't act on what you see in God's word, it will become darkness to you. Thank, aren't you glad God is merciful? And he'll keep coming. He, I mean, you know, when you start to say no to God and, and darkness, see a lot of times there's pride there. So now you're just beating your head up against the wall. You think the problem's not you. You think it's everybody else. Aren't you so glad that God will still, he'll, he'll move mountains to, make, to get it over to you. And, he, and he's not upset that you're out here blowing it. I have firsthand knowledge of this. Firsthand knowledge. As I look at all of you, I don't know that there was a bigger mess than me. I am so grateful that he granted me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And every day of my life, at least probably three to maybe ten times a day, I thank him for that. I thank him for that. Hallelujah. See, you either do God's word or you don't. There is no middle ground. You're either in faith or you're not. You're either thankful or you're unthankful. This is such an important message in the body of Christ. If we could get this, light would go on. Have you ever had that happen where you think you are just doing it? And then light goes on and you're like, ooh. Wow, right? And you go to your wife and go, honey, I'm, I apologize for the way that I've treated you. I remember one time I came home, and in our old house, our church office was just right inside the door coming into our house from the garage. It was in our living room. That was, our, that was Jeanette's office there, uh, you know, this big desk. And then up top in our dining room was Pastor Dave's office. Uh, he had a little, have you ever seen kitchens with like a little nook? They have like a little built-in desk. That was Pastor Dave's office. And, uh, and then my office was in the basement. We had a 300-square-foot basement. And I was there. So I come in one day, and I'm just not in a great mood. And, and, you know, in our house, we don't yell. I, you know. But I came in, and Jeanette said hello to me, and I'm like, hey. And I just, just you know. Hi, and then I just went down to the basement. Because 
because I had to study and be with God and get a message for our church. So I sit down and I, you know, I pull up some stuff on my computer. I get, a, get all my stuff out and the Lord's like, what are you doing? I mean, just so clear. Down, I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, but it's like, what are you doing? And, and basically the Lord told me, he goes, you go apologize to your wife because you're not getting anything from me. In this, I mean, when I read this, when I read the scripture, God resists the proud. I, I've lived that. He's like, yeah, knock yourself out. No, no, no revelation, no nothing. So here's my wife, and this is, this is why God told her right away when she met me that I was her husband. You know, whenever God speaks that clear to you, clearly to you, that means you're probably going to go through some stuff. You know. <laughs> so. So right then, my email thing pops up with these little cute emojis that she sends me. I love you and this and that. And I'm just like, you know, but, that, but why? Because she doesn't say no. Right? And was I really ugly to her? No. Not from natural standards, but I don't live by natural standards. Right? And God doesn't, he's not watching what you're saying only, he's watching your heart. And it's all about authority. Why do you say that? Because when you submit yourself to God, and then you resist the devil, he will run away from you in terror. But if you try to resist the devil without being submitted to God, see what happens, we call it blind spots. You don't want any blind spots in your life. Blind spots come by saying no, by being distracted. This is why nobody can walk out your plan, your path. Only you can. I can't tell you what to do. I could feed you the word of God, but I don't know what the next thing that God wants to work with you on is. And that's how come in our church, we always want to have unlimited grace and mercy for people, right? If you want to come to our church, man, we're going to love you. We're going to feed you. We're going to walk with you. If you want to leave our church, we're going to love you and we're going to feed you and just say, send you out with a nice meal and say, hey, have a great life. You're blessed. If you come, you're always welcome back. If you come back, we're going to love, right? Because we just walk in love. Guys, you're going you're gonna to disciple people that you're going to pour hours into their life and all of a sudden, right? I remember one guy in my college and career group. I would spend so much time with him. He was the brother of a girlfriend of mine. And man, what a great guy. But he grew up with a very high-powered dad that told him he was stupid and he was a failure. So, you know... We'd have our college and career meeting. We'd go out. When we'd go out in fellowship, man, we did it right. We'd go into a restaurant. We'd close the restaurant. Then we'd stay out. I mean, there were times when the sun's coming up and I'm standing in a parking lot talking to people. And we look at each other and go, breakfast? <laughs> right? But usually what we would do when we'd leave a restaurant, if, if, if he wasn't there, I knew all the bars in Southern California. I, I, I went looking for him. And I'd find him. And he'd see me, and here's this big muscular guy, he'd just start weeping. 
And I'm like, listen, God loves you. I love you. And he'd come back full on. And then next thing you know, I mean, over and over and over. Do you know God will keep coming at what I loved about this man? And I'll guarantee you he's serving God with all of his heart today. Because he kept, he kept, he kept coming to the realization that God loves me so much. He doesn't, he's not mad at me for going and, you know, snorting some coke and getting high and doing this and doing that. He, he's not moved by that. His mercy is greater than my disobedience. I think we could all testify of that, can't we? We're talking about authority. Hallelujah. Having the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, what that does, it will produce verse Verses 18 and, verses, and verse 19. Revelation knowledge, never forget this. Revelation knowledge of God's word brings spiritual understanding. Revelation knowledge of God's word brings spiritual understanding. How are we to turn the tide in our nation from unrighteousness to righteousness. We are going to need spiritual understanding. That's the key. How am I going to take my marriage from where it is to where God wants it to be? Spiritual understanding. How am I going to parent these kids or these teenagers? Or how am I going to reach my grown kids? Spiritual understanding. How am I going to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for my life and walk out the vision of what God has for me, spiritual understanding, which flows out of revelation knowledge. Verse 18, what happens now? God gives me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and now the eyes of my understanding or the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that is the Greek word photizo. It means it's a, it's a shining. The opening of his word gives light. All of a sudden, what does it light? It lights your spirit, and then your spirit lights your soul. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. This is God's specific plan for your life. Do you know one of the biggest parts of that calling in your life? If not the biggest, let me just reveal it to you. It's walking in your authority as a believer. You're going to have to do that to keep your flesh under. You're going to have to do that to to get get sickness out of your body, keep it out of your body, get the finances that you need and keep poverty and lack out of your life. You're going to need to use your authority so that you don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you're praying about everything so that the peace of God can mount guard over your heart and life. Because how many of you know sometimes when you're in a battle, you got to stand for a little while. But just realize when you're standing, you are already the victor. Right? You need revelation knowledge from the word of God to tell you, to give you the spiritual understanding that you've already won. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? 
I love this. There's no greater hope of your calling than your authority in Christ. In other words, you're never going to live up to your potential in Christ. You're never going to be able to do the works of Jesus without this, walking in your authority in Christ. This is huge. Most believers never hear this stuff. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? This is the word dunamis. It literally means miraculous power, but it really means God's ability. It's ability of God that's released. The greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working, the outward display of power of his mighty power. I love that. Now in verse 20, it says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Wow. And in, in, I'm telling you, in verse 19, this verse, to rightly divide this wor- verse is crazy because it uses all four words for power in the Greek language in one verse. In other words, that you would have spiritual understanding and revelation knowledge of the multidimensional, basically the full power of God that it's pointed at you every time you believe him. That's amazing. Which Now he's going to talk about the power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What? You mean the same power that raised Christ from the dead? Is the same power that we are to walk in? Yes. I'm telling you, Satan does not want you to know this. And we got to preach this stuff a lot because we've been dumbed down by society and by false teaching by religion for so long. Look at this. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Far above And far above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is in the world to come. Does cancer have a name? You're far below, it's far below you. Does COVID-19 have a name? Does any virus have a name? Yes. You have authority over it. If you've had the virus, then you say, I'm not ever getting it again. You can't come nigh my dwelling. Can't come nigh this church. Right? You stand in your authority. You've been given that. Every name that is named in this world, uh, not only in this world, but that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet. God, the power of God put all things, all means all, under his feet. And gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. So he's the head, and all things were put under his feet, which is his body. The church is his body, the fullness of him. When it says the fullness of him, this is talking about us. We are the fullness of him in the earth. I love that. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians chapter 2 really keeps going with the same thought. Guys, there's a reason why God tells you to don't, don't 
set your eyes on the things of this earth. Set your eyes where your authority is in heaven because that's where it all flows from. Amen?